Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Break with Lance Phelps, the show where you go and get your favorite cup of coffee, sit down, and we're going to have a conversation. Today, I wanted to continue my look at Happily Ever After by John Piper. This is a collection of different authors who have written devotionals for the married couple to go through and uh, basically on a daily basis. And today is entitled Love is More Than a Choice, and it's by John Piper. Let's go ahead and read the opening passage, which is Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So John Piper opens up this particular section with this line. He says, this is a gentle pushback on a popular saying. You see, it is very popular to say that love is action. Love is a choice. Love is something that you do. And now this is not entirely wrong. And this is why John Piper is saying that he's giving a gentle pushback. He doesn't want to say that it's entirely wrong to say that love is a choice. Because there's large components of choice when one is being loving. Of course, we're going to have to choose sometimes against a large contingent of our desire to go against our desire. Now, ultimately, that means that we don't want to do that that other you know bit of desire, but that's a topic for another time. Nevertheless, we do choose to do something that you know a great deal of us does not want to do at many times. We have to choose to do the loving thing. We have to choose to get up and go and help our spouse when we'd rather just sit. Or we have to choose to not say the words that we want to say. It's, there's a lot of choice that's involved. But of course, love is so much more than that. Now John Piper writes this, But I don't prefer to use these statements. Too many people hear three tendencies in them that those who use the statements may not intend. One, saying love is a choice sounds like the tendency to believe love is in our power to perform even when we don't feel like it. Two, saying love is a choice sounds like the tendency to make the will, with its decisions, the decisive moral agent rather than the heart, with its affections. And three, saying love is a choice sounds like the tendency to set the bar too low. If you can will to treat someone well, you have done all you should. And so these are major points, and they actually go back to a philosophical discussion within the the church and the philosophical community at, lar- at large with basically what is the will? Where where does the will reside? Now, John Piper lays out the biblical perspective here. I believe that he, he gets it right on the head when he quotes Luke 6.45. The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus Christ here is speaking about where these these evil actions and where these good actions come from and he roots this genesis of these good actions and these bad actions in the heart it is in the heart out of the 51% majority of what we want to do that our actions flow forth so there's affection that is undergirding our actions there's affection for or against the person that we are acting for or against we do that which we most want to do, so the saying goes, and I believe that it's true. 
But we have to understand, of course, that that doesn't mean that there aren't times where there's 49% of us that doesn't want to do that thing. We have this sort of competing collection of desires. That's very common. Humans compete within our soul, within our minds. We're like, we don't know exactly what we want to do. We're at the tipping point. But the point here is to say that we do what we most want to do. We do that which our collection of desires most pushes us towards what we want. We don't ever do something that we simply don't want to do. Now, that's not, again, that's not to say that we don't have 49% of our will, of our heart saying, oh, I really don't want to do that. But there is always that tipping point. There is always that uneven balance because, of course, we do that action. So in a marriage, we can oftentimes, in a more practical sense, because this, this gets really philosophical, and I didn't even barely scratch the surface here, but kind of bringing it down to a marriage and how does this, how this actually applies is oftentimes we can think, well, I did my bit, I did my part, and I don't really need to go any further beyond that. But love is so much deeper than just decision. Love is actually affections. In his book, Religious Affections, Jonathan Edward spends a considerable amount of time going over why we as Christians need not or cannot simply just go through the motions. We actually have to have affection towards God. We actually have to have religious affections. We have to have a desire to please God and a heart that is that is loving towards God. And this seems like a little bit of an odd thing to say in this this culture. I think that, that many people would be like, well, of course we need to we need to have affections towards God. Otherwise, you don't love God. And how do you say? But back in his day, he was facing a dead church, a church that basically said, just as long as you go through these steps, you're good to go. You don't need to have any affection or any desire to praise and worship God. Or That was a major problem in, in his day. So he addressed that problem. Well, the problem in a marriage is oftentimes, especially once you get caught in a rut, you can get into this idea that, well, I've done what I need to do. I've done my loving action. I've spoken her love language, and that's pretty much all I need to do. But marriage has a component of affection. Now, this is probably getting far beyond the scope of this particular devotional, but naturally the affections are going to change shape over the course of a marriage. So your affections towards your wife or your affections towards your husband are not going to be the same when you're 10 years married or 20 years married as they were when you were first married. And that's a very good thing. It is so, so basically what I'm saying here is you don't always have the same type of affection. You don't always have the same fluttering of the heart and, oh, she's entered the room and now I'm all nervous and whatnot. No, no, no. The affections di differ. They change. They mature over time. And the type of affections, well, they change. But nevertheless, the affections should be there. And we get into a trap by saying, well, I've kind of done what I need to do. I don't need to worry about affections. I've done my loving part. Let me go ahead and close this out with this quote from Piper. It is important to hear me say more than a decision. I am not denying there are crucial choices and decisions to be made in a life of love. I'm not denying that those choices and decisions are part of what love is. So I'm not saying the statement love is a choice or love is a decision are false but i am jealous that the richness and depth and human impossibility of what love is in the bible not be lost hence this little pushback 
That's all I have for you today. Make sure to check out our website, divedeep.net, for more content, including blog posts, book reviews, and video content. If you like this podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check out our main episodes of Dive Deep on the podcast feed and stream live on Facebook every other Thursday night at 7 p.m. That's at facebook.com slash divedeeppodcast. We hope to see you there. Soli Deo Gloria.